Hey folks, thank you so much for checking out my podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. If you have ever had a cassette tape eaten by a tape player, or had to put a coin on a record player cartridge to stop a record jumping, or had to ride a bike to someone's house to make a mixtape, this could be the podcast for you. I dig through my record collection of about 600-ish LPs and my tiny brain, and I take a fun look at my favourite songs, artists and bits of songs that fall within a different, pointless and often stupid theme every episode. I do miss nuggets in each hole, but I only add examples that have given me some joy as a music fan or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. I have a website, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, which has all the previous episodes and Spotify playlist of all the songs featured in each episode. There is high-level swearing, soft-level humour and mid-level entertainment. And if you don't like it, or if you feel I've missed something that I like in my record collection, please feel free to hit me up at this is not an active email address at chuck that fuck in the rabbit hole bin at hotpants.nobjockey and I'll check it out as soon as I'm able. You can say hi on Instagram, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast, and I will get back to you. Please subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share if you have a like-minded music buddy. Anyway, thanks again, and here goes. As always, thanks again for listening. So this episode may turn out a bit different. It could be good, it could be a pile of poop, but as always, I appreciate the opportunity to come in your ear hole. If the episode is no good, you know where to send your complaints. For this episode, I have researched a bunch of great musicians' final words. So some are just that, their final words, if someone was with them when they died, and some are just their last known words. But who really knows if they passed any period of time after their last chat with someone? And some could just be bullshit, as I found them all on the internet, and I'm not stupid enough to believe them all either. As I'm sure some people have reported a dying person's last words to be something more deep and profound than they actually were, for some bullshit legacy reason. And I am talking over Frank Zappa here, and I couldn't find his last words. So as a morbid cousin to episode 13 and 14's Dead by 40, here's episode 62, Last Words. So I'll try not to repeat any death notices of artists in episode 13 and 14, but I won't be proofreading or spell checking either. As I can't find Frank Zappa's last words, he does have a last track on an album called Last Words though, which is mainly just talking and a soft, nice way to start the episode. Zappa announced tonight the singer-composer lost his battle with prostate cancer. He was known for elaborate, unconventional songs, often with raunchy lyrics. Frank Zappa became prominent some 26 years ago, leading his band he named the Mothers of Invention. Throughout his career, either with the band or as a solo artist, Frank Zappa released some 50 albums. The social commentary in his songs targeted the music industry, the educational system, and politics. He leaves behind a wife and four children and a new album, Civilization Phase 3, which will be released in the spring. Frank Zappa, dead at the age of 52. Another Frank now, Frank Sinatra's last words, were reported as being, I'm losing. I really applaud Jim Hutton, who's the longtime boyfriend of Freddie Mercury, who didn't sugarcoat reporting Fred's last words as PP. And here's Brian May talking to Sammy Hagar. You've done a better job with the legacy I've ever seen than anyone since Freddie's death. Oh, and I'm serious. Nice. I've thank said you. it to you before. And I, I'm what how's that working? I mean how is there a, a committee? Yeah, I suppose there is. I mean, I suppose what we did was give it up. We actually did give it up when Freddie died, and, and we felt 
you know, we'd always said if, if one of us goes, that's it. So Roger and I both went out kind of grieving to the max and saying, it's over, we don't even want to talk about it for quite a long time. And then we made the, um, the last album, the Made in Heaven album, with the tracks that Freddie had left us to play with. Uh, and it became a real labour of love because he left some lovely little bits and pieces. Because Freddie, Freddie in his last days was like, okay guys, I'm not going to be here long, just give me stuff to sing. I'll sing and sing. You know, write me stuff in the back of a cigarette packet, whatever. Just give wow. me stuff to sing. So wow. we did a lot of that. And then when he'd gone, I mean, he was very undramatic about it. You know, he was never maudlin, ever. I never, ever saw him kind of cry or go, you know, self-pity. He never did that. He was like, let's, let's just do it. Let's keep doing stuff. Freddie was, Freddie was always inspiring. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if he was here now, we'd be doing what we always do, I'm sure. On the 23rd of November, 1991, Freddie made an announcement to the media regarding his health, confirming he had AIDS. Just a day later, he died at the age of 45. There's a man there you know He's the host of the show And you'll find that he fucking hates choirs Move on. And speaking of Sammy Hagar, Sammy's ex-bandmate Eddie Van Halen's reported last words were to his son Wolfgang and ex-wife Valerie when he said, I love you. Finally tonight here, we celebrate a master at the guitar rock legend, his son, revealing the news today. Eddie Van Halen was a master at the guitar. Group Van Halen was one of the most popular rock bands of all time. There was Jump, their biggest hit. His technique influencing so many others. Playing some of the most distinctive guitar riffs in history. This is Eddie playing in Michael Jackson's Beat It. He could play most any instrument, but he could not read music. Tonight, his son Wolf, who played on tour with Van Halen, remembering his father, sharing this image, saying his father lost his long and arduous battle with cancer this morning, adding, he was the best father I could ever ask for. Every moment I've shared with him on and off stage was a gift. My heart is broken, and I don't think I'll ever fully recover from this loss. I love you so much, Pop. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. And speaking of Valerie, Valerie Coverer, Amy Winehouse's last words, known to be spoken to a human, were, I don't want to die, spoken to a doctor the night before she passed, and some internet sites say that her last known words were to her bodyguard, Andrew Morris, and were, I would give it all back just to walk down the street with no hassle. Composer Donny Hathaway had his musical roots here at New Jerusalem Baptist Church. At the age of four, he toured and performed nationally and was proclaimed the youngest gospel singer at that time. The family refused to move Hathaway's funeral to a larger church because of the large crowds expected. Today, family, friends, and some of the greatest in the music field came to say goodbye to Hathaway. Award-winning composer and singer Stevie Wonder and Roberta Flack, who shared a Grammy Award with Hathaway in 1973. Reverend Jesse Jackson, head of Operation Push, eulogized Hathaway as an authentic genius of our day. And Jackson says he believes Hathaway may have accidentally fallen from his hotel window and did not commit suicide, as reported earlier. But he died with a coat and scarf and careful. It is not likely that one goes through the preparation of full time just to jump out of the way. How he died cannot consume our time, but rather how he lived and what he contributed. His legacy 
is music. Hathaway came from the ghettos of the Carr Square Housing Project. He graduated from Fashan High School in 1963 and received a music scholarship to go to Howard University. Once at Howard University, Hathaway began composing for such greats as Curtis Mayfield, Jerry Butler, and the Staple Singers. In 1974, Hathaway had two gold albums. Hathaway leaves behind a wife and two children. Some say that Donnie Hathaway was considered to be a genius by musicians at Howard University. They say they could not teach him, but they could only expose him to new musical avenues. I'm Robin Smith in North St. Louis for the newsroom. And speaking of Van Halen, the words Van Halen were the last two words Dimebag Darrell said before being shot on stage in 2004. Van Halen was the cue that Dime's band Damage Plan used to crank up the vibe on stage. On December 8, 2004, four people were shot and killed inside the Al Rosa Villa Lounge. It was the second worst mass shooting in Columbus history. The gunman Nathan Gale was shot and killed by Columbus police officer Jim Nigmeyer, whose actions that night helped spare the lives of others who ran for the exits as that shooting began. 10 TV's Kevin Landers spoke to the officer about that terrifying night how it's affected him and the law that he hopes will pass to help first responders who suffer from emotional trauma on the job. When I pulled my cruiser up and got out, um, there was three or four people that were yelling, come to the back door, come to the back door. 12 years ago, Officer Jim Nigemeyer's life changed forever. We certainly feel horrible for the victims and their families. Around 10.20 p.m. on December 8, 2004, Nigemeyer entered through this back door at the Al Rosa Villa with shotgun in hand. He put the gun up to the hostage's head, and at that point I just stopped where I was and just pulled up and shot. On this night, he pointed his shotgun at the head of Nathan Gale, who was holding a hostage, and ended his life. Gale's shooting rampage would kill four people, including the lead guitarist Daryl Dimebag Abbott of the heavy metal band Damage Plan. I couldn't find any of the four original Ramones last words, but it was documented that Joey Ramone was listening to U2's song in a little while when he died. So this is a song that Joey Ramone loved. They played it to him while he was lying in his hospital bed a couple of months back. It was the last song that Joey Ramone heard in his life here. And... That's an amazing thing for somebody who grew up as a fan of Joey Ramone, I can tell you. Anyway, Joey turned this song about a hangover into a gospel song, I think. Because that's the way I always hear it now. Joey Ramone's.
Ali's last words were to his son Ziggy and they were, money can't buy life. Marvin Gaye's last reported words were to his mother, father hates me and I'm never coming back. Marvin Gaye Sr. was in the same room and responded by delivering a bullet into Marvin from a gun that Marvin Jr. had given his dad for Christmas. Can the right stuff blast off with some Oscars? Will photographers ever get enough of Rock Hudson? What's Robin Williams doing in Bloomingdale's? Who will be Miss Teenage USA? Should celebrities drive race cars? Entertainment Tonight takes to the airwaves for Monday, April 2nd, 1984. I'm Mary Hart. And I'm Ron Hendren, soul singer Marvin Gaye, whose career spanned over 25 years, including the birth of the Motown sound to the 80s, was shot to death yesterday in Los Angeles. Dick Shoemaker reports. 69-year-old Marvin Gaye Sr. was taken to police headquarters in downtown Los Angeles last night after being booked on suspicion of murder in the death of his son. Marvin Gaye was visiting his parents' home here in Los Angeles. There was a family argument. The singer was shot in the chest. A little while later, Marvin Gaye died. Marvin Gaye Sr. armed himself with a handgun and fired uh, several shots, wounding uh, Marvin Gaye Jr. Marvin Gaye Jr. was taken to California Hospital where he was pronounced dead from gunshot wounds at 1 o'clock this afternoon. What can I say? It is a tragedy. I love Marvin and uh, I'm very sorry what happened. Family and friends were shocked and wept openly in the wake of the killing. And a crowd gathered in front of the Gaye home. Police say the singer and his father started arguing over insurance matters Saturday night, resuming the argument Sunday. Marvin Gaye Sr. is expected to be arraigned sometime this week. Sexual healing brought Marvin Gaye back to the top after years of personal and professional problems. He risked everything to make it work. Had it not been received the way it was, I imagine I would have been through in this business as recording on it. The risk paid off. The song became a major hit and won him his first two Grammy Awards. Pride and Joy in 1963 brought him his first big national audience. Before that, most of his experience had been singing in the choir of his father's church in Washington, D.C., and as a studio drummer and singer. His career took off during the 60s, and in 1968, I Heard It Through the Grapevine became his biggest hit. His professional highs were followed by personal lows, two marriages, drug problems, and finally bankruptcy and exile in Europe. It appeared for a while that his career was over, but Gay believed otherwise. My blessings actually outweigh all of the um, negative things that have, uh, that have occurred in my life, and it's that fact that probably makes me happiest of all. I know somebody up there loves me. Marvin Gaye would have been 45 years old today. Later in the show, we'll have tributes from some of his friends and a look at one of Marvin Gaye's biggest hits.
Tell me now, baby, does it shit you too? Does it do to you the things I wouldn't do? To punch them I desire enough of that. And we covered this one a bit more in depth in the Dead by 40 episodes, but Terry Kath from Chicago's last words were apparently, don't worry, it's not loaded. See? I think you can guess the story from the episode topic and the clues. Jimi Hendrix's last known words to a human were on his manager's answering machine and were, I need help bad, man. There was also a handwritten poem found next to Hendrix. And the final words on that were, the story of life is quicker than a blink of an eye, and the story of love is hello and goodbye until we meet again. The Jimi Hendrix experience is over. The acid rock musician died today in a London hospital, apparently from an overdose of drugs. During his short career, Hendrix flailed his electric guitar into some of the most unusual sounds of an unusual music. A report now from ABC's Gregory Jackson. If you're much over 30, the odds are you never heard of Jimi Hendrix, or only dimly, perhaps a loud voice on the car radio. But take it for fact, in just the past four years, Jimi Hendrix became one of the best-known, highest-paid artists in recording history. An astonishing performer whose on-stage gyrations could make Elvis Presley look like a P.E. teacher. And it may well be that the story of Jimi Hendrix is a small picture of the overall explosive power and wealth of rock. The son of a Seattle gardener, James Marshall Hendrix quit school at 16, but before he was 20, he was touring the country as a backup guitarist for other rock groups. In 1966, a manager discovered him in a Greenwich Village bar, took him to Europe, formed a group, and just nine months later, Jimi Hendrix returned world famous. At rock festivals, Hendrix was paid $50,000 for a single performance. His album sold in the millions. He should have been a millionaire. It's not known whether he saved his money, but it is known that today, Jimi Hendrix is dead, an overdose. He was 28. This is Gregory Jackson, ABC News, New York. We'll be back in a moment. All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go, I'm standing here outside your door I hate to wake you up to say goodbye Country singer John Denver, who famously died in a plane he was piloting, said, do you have it now, on the radio to an air flight controller before crashing. Already I'm so lonesome I could die so kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you never let me go Cause I'm leaving on a jet plane Don't know when I'll be back again Oh babe, I hate to go So many times I've let you down So many times I've played around Environmental plane that John Denver was flying as the investigation into the crash that killed him continues today, Tuesday, October 14th, 1997. From NBC News, this is Today with Katie Curry and Matt Lauer. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. 
And good morning. Welcome to Today on this Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Lauer. And I'm Katie Couric. Apparently, John Denver's friends wanted him to play another round of golf, but he was very anxious to try out this new plane. Yeah, new indeed. He'd only owned the plane for a day before the crash. It's a tragic story, and we're going to talk a lot about it this morning. We are, and indeed, Matt. Many of the pieces of John Denver's experimental aircraft have been recovered as investigators try to figure out what went wrong. This morning, we're going to have the latest as well as a look at the plane that John Denver was piloting on that day. It's called the Long Easy. How safe is it? Old crooner Bing Crosby, last words were, that was a great game of golf, fellas, before having a heart attack after playing a round of golf. Good evening. Harry is on assignment in South Africa. Sad news. Bing Crosby died today while playing golf near Madrid, Spain. He was 73. He collapsed on the course, was rushed to the hospital, but was pronounced dead on arrival. Crosby almost died last year when he fell off a stage while taping a television program. He recovered and said his only problem was that he might not be able to play golf anymore. Bing Crosby leaves behind his widow Catherine, seven children, and 12 grandchildren. But to all of us, he leaves memories of pleasure. He serenaded three generations of lovers and made millions laugh and cry in his film roles. But he never lost touch with himself. John Martin faces his career. 26. And when CBS signed him to sing Coast to Coast, as they called it, several nights a week, it was the beginning of a national affection for him. In one 1940s poll, Bing Crosby was more popular than Dwight Eisenhower, Harry Truman, or the Pope. Five months ago, in his last television interview, Bing Crosby told Barbara Walters that fame was not something he sought. Are you really? You think you're a dull man? Well, I think a very, a new, very ordinary man. You know, when I, people think that I'm humble or I'm wallowing in humility when I, when I resent being called a legend and all that. Yeah. It's just being realistic. When somebody says that, I'm so embarrassed because I know I've never done anything that merits that. Barry White's last words were to a nurse and they were, leave me alone, I'm fine. Or more likely, leave me alone, I'm fine. Before passing away. Elvis Presley's last words were, okay, I won't, as an answer to Ginger Alden requesting that he not fall asleep on the shitter. Elvis Presley died today. He was 42. Apparently it was a heart attack. He was found at his home in Memphis, not breathing. His road manager tried to revive him. He failed. A hospital tried to revive him. It failed. His doctor pronounced him dead at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The end at an early age of one of the two most spectacular careers in the history of American entertainment, the other being Frank Sinatra's. Long after he became an institution, here was how Presley looked and sounded on an NBC television special four seasons ago. Presley was very nearly at the peak of his career when he was drafted into the Army. That was 1958. Here he's arriving for a tour of duty in Germany, an enlisted man driving a Jeep. He could have gone into what they call special services and avoided the kind of time put in by ordinary soldiers, but Presley didn't. Actually, he trained as a tank man. He sold records in the multiples of millions, made millions, bought a string of Cadillacs, one after another, gave away a string of Cadillacs to people he liked, and along the way he was married in 1967 to Priscilla Ann Bullier. The very symbol of sex for all of the millions or hundreds of thousands of teenagers was married only once.
Michael Jackson's last words were more milk. Apparently milk was the nickname he had for the anesthetic drug he was taking called Propofol. And I guess we can be thankful that milk isn't the nickname he gave to the little boy that delivered milk to his house. Breaking news coming into the situation right now from uh, about Michael Jackson, the king of pop, who's 50 years old. Let's go to Deborah Farrick. She's working the story for us. What are we picking up, Deb? Well, Wolf, here's what we can tell you. This is what's being reported uh, by KTLA. Apparently, Michael Jackson suffered cardiac arrest this afternoon. He was rushed to UCLA Medical Center. At 1221 this afternoon, the Los Angeles 911 operators took a call in regards to um, a need for a medical emergency uh, at the 100 block of Candlewood Drive, which is in West Los Angeles. Uh, when the paramedics got on scene, they, they treated the patient and then immediately transported the patient to a UCLA. We just talked to Brian Oxman. He is the family attorney for the Jackson, and, and he says that according to Randy Jackson, Michael Jackson's brother, Michael Jackson collapsed in his home in West Los Angeles this morning and they called paramedics. He says that uh, the family is either at UCLA Medical Center or en route to UCLA Medical Center. CNN sources are now saying, multiple sources, that Michael Jackson is in a coma at UCLA Medical Center, suffered uh, from cardiac arrest, and is now in a coma. If you look at the aerials that you're showing on air and you see the number of people that have already gathered outside the hospital, if that isn't testament to the star power of Michael Jackson, I don't know what is. And we're just getting this in uh, right now, uh, and, and it's uh, very, very sad news, uh, Jim Moray, and to all of our viewers, both the Los Angeles Times and CBS News are both now reporting that Michael Jackson has died. Now, CNN has not confirmed that, but the LA Times and CBS News are reporting that Michael Jackson, 50 years old, the king of pop, has died. Uh, a very, very sad moment. David Bowie's last words were reported to be about music. In a quote. It has been my doorway of perception and the house that I live in. After seven o'clock, and uh, our main news this morning are the reports that David Bowie has died peacefully in his sleep at his home in New York. He was 69 years old and died apparently after an 18-month battle with cancer, according to a statement on his official mm -hmm. Facebook page in the last few moments. Well, Ross King is live for us at the Golden Globes in L.A. Ross, uh, it's very much reminiscent to me of when Whitney Houston died at a big Grammys event that all these stars celebrating and then news broke about her death. Now we have the loss of one of Britain's greatest cultural, music, fashion and movie icons, David Bowie. Very much so, Piers. As you said, it is eerily reminiscent of that time when Whitney passed away here at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. The news just breaking through here. Crews, people on the red carpet just hearing the news. And did you say, you really can't speak highly enough about someone like David Bowie, a man who just absolutely excelled in whatever field he went into, whether it be the world of music, whether it would be the world of art, or whether it be the world of cinema. For me, he was a personal hero. Lorraine Kelly and I have had so many conversations that as a kid, how much we absolutely adored the man as that continued for the rest of our lives and now to hear this shocking news at the age of 69 just after he brought out a brand new album within the past few days as well is absolutely shocking but there had been rumors for quite some time that he had been unwell hadn't been seen in public for quite some time although just a month or so ago he was seen out and about in Broadway uh, he'd written one of the songs for a new musical there and actually looked to be in good form but incredibly shocking news really stunning news around the world at the moment that one of the greatest has gone on. The statement I'm just reading on Twitter, actually, this is from Duncan Jones, who's actually David Bowie's son, yeah. and he's just said, very sorry and sad to say, it's true, I'll be offline for a while, oh. love to all. Very sad, obviously, for him in particular and his family, uh, but it's devastating. I think there's a lot of people waking mm -hmm. up in Britain for whom David Bowie has been one of the great icons of certainly my life, I think all of us. He touches so many different aspects of British cultural yeah. life, doesn't he? We also covered Sam Cooke's death in the Dead by 40 episode, but his last words were, lady, you shot me, after being shot by a lady. John Lennon's last words were, I'm shot, but apparently he also said yeah to a policeman on the way to the hospital. But it's suddenly been placed in total perspective for us. 
finish this. They're in the hurry-up offense. Third down four. Foreman. It'll be fourth down. Kavanaugh will let it run down for one final attempt. He'll let the seconds tick off to give Miami no opportunity whatsoever. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard, you have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. And Beatle George Harrison's last words will love one another. This is the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather. Continuing coverage of the war on terrorism. Reporting tonight from Kabul, Afghanistan, here is Dan Rather. Good evening from Kabul, Afghanistan. Another major story tonight is the passing of George Harrison. The former Beatle died in Los Angeles from cancer, his family by his side. He was 58 years old. Harrison's life and music reached for the same notes, inner strength and inner peace, and struck a chord with millions. CBS's Mark Phillips reports on the death and life of George Harrison. There's a Beatles song for just about every occasion. And today, the news was bad. They gathered at the John Lennon Memorial in New York to mark the death of another Beatle. And then there were two. George Harrison's death, unlike Lennon's, was neither sudden, nor violent, nor shocking. His religious conviction, he had said, expressed in his first solo hit single, had prepared him for death. George Harrison hadn't been the brash one, or the cute one, or the funny one. He'd been the thoughtful one, seeking not fame, but answers. The purpose of life is to find out who am I, why am I here, um, um, where am I going? That's the, what we need answering. And Harrison, as his friends knew, had found those answers. I'm just privileged to have known him, and I love him like he's my brother. It was a very sad day for me and for a lot of other people. It's a big cigarette I will. for a big man. George Harrison had had throat, then lung, then brain cancer. The cigarette gags, amusing when he was young, had long since stopped being funny. The man they called the reluctant Beatle is now getting the credit he is due. He was the musical backbone. His were the riffs the whole world played air guitar to. He led the group on its journey toward Eastern mysticism. And he, too, was the songwriter of enduring tunes. Even Sinatra called Something the best love song of the past 50 years. If the Beatles provided the soundtrack for a generation, Harrison provided the theme songs for his own life. It doesn't take long to be from 17 to being 57. Mm. 40 years just goes like that. In his life, George Harrison never saw himself as more than he was, a working class rocker from Liverpool who was good enough and lucky enough to become famous around the world. More than guitars are gently weeping today. Mark Phillips, CBS News, London. James Brown had a heart attack and his last sentence was, I'm going away tonight. But some other sources say his last words were, I'm burning up, burning up. Prince's last reported words were, okay, I'll call you soon. And I couldn't find Kurt Cobain's final words but he did leave a suicide note, as most people know. And one of the last lines was, it's better to burn out than fade away, which was a quote from Neil Young's My My Hey Hey Out of the Blue. The very last words on the suicide note were, 
please keep going, Courtney, for Frances, for her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. Little Richard's last words were pretty cool. I'm the architect of rock and roll and I am the originator. Next tonight, celebrating an American original, Little Richard, a founding father of rock and roll with an unforgettable flair. He has died. Here's ABC's David Wright. Here's that real solid man of rock and roll, Little Richard. that Little Richard was one of the founding fathers of rock and roll is the fact that one of the acts that opened for him was the Beatles back in Hamburg, Germany. The Fab Four undiscovered. Little Richard already a big star. Hits like Good Golly Miss Molly and Lucille. Richard helped R&B cross over and create rock and roll. Pat Boone helped too. Boone made Tutti Frutti the bigger hit, but the original that belonged to Richard Penniman, who wrote it washing dishes at the Greyhound bus station in Macon, Georgia. Little Richard, quietly gay under that haircut in the Eisenhower era, an inspiration to Elton John, Freddie Mercury, and others. David Wright, ABC News, New York. And the last thing Chris Cornell said to his wife on the phone before his death was, I'm just tired. Daily from Alice in Chains was only 39 kilos when he died, which is about 86 pounds for those who use that system. And his last known conversation was with Alice in Chains bass player and future Odea, Mike Starr. It was more of an argument than a conversation, and the two went at it over Lane's refusal to get help, and his last words to Starr were, don't leave me like this. Ozzy Osbourne spoke to Lemmy from Motorhead on the day he died. It might not be his last words, but I love listening to Ozzy try to talk. I was probably one of the last people to speak to him. What did you talk about? Well, I... Pinball machines? No, it was... I phoned him. I saw him, he said he's not going to make it. So I phoned him and they put him on the phone and I couldn't make out what he was saying. Oh, it was terrible. Did either of you know he was ill? I went to South yeah, America. Everybody knew he was ill. He'd, he'd lost an awful lot of weight. Now, Ozzy will tell you the story of to when South... he toured with Ozzy in South America. I, went down to, I flew down to South America with him about three, six months before. And he looked terribly thin and gaunt. And I felt, I was, felt my heart broke for him, you know. So 
so. Did you? Did he say anything? Or was he just carrying on as normal? Yes, he, 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 he tried to carry on as normal, but it was one of them things where he knew you know, but you didn't want to say anything. Yeah. But he, 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 put, he did it. He worked right up to the very end. He said, uh, "I could have probably lived another ten years had I smoked and." Do live my life so, but I, I, I live my life the way I wanted to live. It was all right with it. Stevie Ray Vaughan may have spoken on his fateful helicopter flight, but his last words just before jumping on the helicopter to drummer Chris Layton were, "I love ya." band had been the opening act for rock star Eric Clapton at a resort inst. Three members of Clapton's entourage and the helicopter pilot were killed in the crash. When the news first came through, it was thought that Clapton had died, but he was in another chopper. Four helicopters took off from the resort shortly after midnight in dense fog, heading for Chicago when one ploughed into a mountainside. Mile from the outdoor music theater, where musician Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of the world's top blues guitarists, opened for Eric Clapton for a second night Sunday. Authorities believe the Bell Jet Ranger helicopter slammed into the hillside at full speed. As officials combed through the crash site, rock and roll style security men kept reporters at bay. Theater management issued only a brief statement. The time of the crash hasn't been pinpointed yet. A satellite picked up a distress signal from the aircraft shortly before 2 a.m. But officials believe at that point, the chopper was already down. 35-year-old Stevie Ray Vaughan came out of the Texas boogie blues scene, a rowdy, raucous style that led some to dub him a white Jimi Hendrix. His latest album, In Step, was released last year. The way I look at it is if, uh, if the next show we do is the last one I ever get to do, it sure would be a shame if I didn't really try and give it all my best. Stevie Ray Vaughan was 35. Jeff Buckley was singing a whole lot of love as he waded into the Mississippi, never to be seen again. Johnny Cash's last words were, it's time. Singer Jackie Wilson had a heart attack on stage on the 29th of September, 1975, while singing Lonely Teardrops. Ironically, on the words, my heart is crying. 
spoke again and died nearly 10 years later in 1984 at the age of 49. Elvis Presley covered most of Jackie Wilson's initial medical bills right up until Elvis's death in 1977. And I'm not sure if it was his last words, but on the night of Taylor Hawkins' death, he left his wife a voicemail saying, take care of each other and I'll take care of myself. It seems weird and sick to have a favourite last word, so with that in mind, I have two favourites. Drummer Cozy Powell, who played with Brian May, Black Sabbath, Jeff Beck, Whitesnake, Robert Plant and many more, including Gary Moore, and his last words to his married girlfriend as he sped to her house on April the 5th, 1998. They were talking on the phone and she heard him say, oh shit, and then a crashing noise. And Cozy was killed in a car accident. And my other favourite would have to go to The Who's Keith Moon, who asked his girlfriend to cook steak and eggs for him, and she refused. So he said, if you don't like it, you can fuck off. And then he swallowed 32 pills and died. So anyway, that's just a quick little episode for today. I hope you get something out of that. And thanks again for listening. You know what to do. Subscribe, share with a friend, all that bullshit. And yeah, I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for letting me come in your ears. All right, guys, appreciate it. See ya. How the fuck was that?